We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, the best game Cox podcast on the internet. Today is Monday, October the 5th, 2020. On today's show, we start off the show a little bit differently. I've got some big business announcement I want to get to, some housekeeping items, obviously, I want to talk to you guys about. Also, of course, it is Monday. I'm giving my full breakdown, full recap of a disappointing, a head-scratching, a confusing 38-24 to loss, South Carolina falling in Gainesville. To the Florida Gators, I'll talk about everything on the field, obviously, offensively, defensively. But, of course, we all want to talk about Will Muschamp, just what was going on with the clock management, in-game decisions. Like I said, positives and negatives from the game. I will break down everything, give you guys my thoughts. Also, news and notes to get into and your listener questions and voicemails in regards to the game. So, taking your questions, everything else. We're going to talk South Carolina, Florida, what went right, what went wrong, break down that game and the decisions within in its entirety in that one. So stick around, guys. It's all brought to you by our friends over at my bookie. Guys, we are in peak sports season right now. I mean, all the playoffs for all the pro sports are going on. NFL is obviously in full swing, college football in full swing. And at my bookie, that can only mean one thing it is winning season. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means free bets, super contest, survivor, and more. At my bookie, winning season's all about your chance to win big. Guys, like I said, you can bet anything and everything. You can bet the NBA finals. NHL is obviously over, but you can bet hockey if you want. Major League Baseball playoffs, very excited. We got ALDS starting tonight, NLDS with the Atlanta Braves for those Braves fans that are listening starting tomorrow. Um, so Major League Baseball playoffs, UFC, college football, NFL, anything and everything you can think of, you can bet on it in my bookie. The craziest sports time of your lifetime is here. It's really simple, guys. Make your picks, win big, collect your cash, and invest in your intuition. Select from hundreds of future bets, or you can bet games in real time with MyBookie's live betting. Put that big brain of yours to good use. Go to MyBookie.ag. That's MyBookie.ag. Use promo code GAMECOCKS. Again, MyBookie.ag, promo code GAMECOCKS, and double your first deposit. Guys, new players get up to $1,000 in free play. So what that means, you go over to MyBookie.ag. Use the promo code GAMECOCKS. You put in 500 they're going to match it. They're going to give you 500 in free play. You put 750 in, they'll give you 750. You put in 1,000, they're going to give you 1,000 in free play. And we all know what a free play is. You can put 1,000 on South Carolina if you want. Put 1,000 on the Braves to win the World Series. If it doesn't hit, guess what? Doesn't matter. It's not coming out of your account. It's a free play. But guess what? If it does win, it's getting credited to you. You're going to win it. It's, it's literally a win-win scenario, guys. It's designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Thousands of cross-sports wagers, props, and parlays await. Sign up now to bet with the best and celebrate your victory. Again, guys, that is mybookie.ag, promo code Gamecocks. That's mybookie.ag, promo code Gamecocks. Your winning season begins today only at 
MyBookie. Let's get it. Welcome to the Spurs Up Show. I'm Chris Silk, your host as always. Appreciate you guys tuning in. We have got a packed show, a lot to get to, obviously, breaking down the game that happened on Saturday. South Ghana falling to the Florida Gators 38-24. to Also, tons of voicemails, tons of questions regarding the game I'm going to get to in just a second. Before we do, though, as I mentioned in the intro, some things I want to go over really quickly and a sort of business announcement, if you will, that I want to roll out to you guys officially here on the Spurs Up to show today on this Monday. First things first, do appreciate you guys tuning in. And I hope, obviously, outside of the uh, outside of the obvious that wasn't so positive, hope you all had a fantastic weekend. Whatever you were doing, watching football, hanging out, whatever. Hope you all had a great weekend. Also want to say thank you to those who showed up to Overtime Bar and Grill on Saturday for the watch party. Thank you so much for the support. And also, those of you who continue to tune into the Daily Crow, the pregame show, postgame show, Again, I hope very soon we have more fun things to talk about on game day, but it is a blast. It is a blast to have you guys on there taking your questions, comments, giving my thoughts, feedback, whatever it may be. I truly do appreciate you guys tuning in. You guys, like I said, have made that a huge, huge success. So thank you so much for that, um, and I look forward to doing it, obviously, the rest of the season. Uh, all right, getting in these housekeeping items and this big announcement really quickly. First things first, as always, if you have not done so, take five seconds out of your day. Go rate the show. Leave five stars, whether you're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, whatever the platform does not matter. Go leave five stars. Leave your thoughts, your feedback, comments, questions, things you like, things you don't like, things you want to hear more of, less of, whatever it may be. Um, really, really do appreciate you guys doing that. Those who have already done so, thank you so much. It helps boost up the podcast. Helps others that maybe aren't familiar with the show. Helps them to find it as well. So please take five seconds out of your day. Like I said, hit five stars on the review. Leave five stars. The show truly do appreciate it. Also, if you haven't done so, if you're tuning, you're not subscribed, I don't know what you're doing, hammer the subscribe button, whether it be on any of the platforms I mentioned previously or on YouTube or on social media. Again, the podcasts are daily. You you do not want to miss it. You want to get the daily notifications. Be sure to hammer the subscribe button. So again, rate and subscribe if you have not. And if you have, I truly do appreciate it. All right. Like I said in the intro, big business announcement, and you may have already seen it on social media at this point. And I want to explain it because I think, you know, I'm prepared for there to be a mixed reaction of some sorts. I don't know if mixed reaction is the right word, but I'm ready for there to be some sort of reaction or questions or whatever. And if you have questions about it, feel free to DM me, feel free to hit me up. But to get straight to the point, we are officially rolling out a Spurs Up show, the Spurs Up show Patreon page, a Spurs Up show Patreon page. And I've had one for a while, but have never really been active with it, never really used it. Obviously, my content has been free, and for 97% of it, is still going to be free. Um, but we do have three tiers on the Spurs Up Show Patreon, which range from walk-on, which is $3 a month, full scholarship, which is $5 a month, and All-American, which is $7 a month. Now, I know a lot of the questions are going to revolve around, Chris, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this now? What is the reason for this? Well, first things first, I, I do want to say, and a lot of it is because of you guys and the supporters. You know, a lot of people honestly – I don't know if you'd be surprised at this or not, but a lot of people hit me up and say, Chris, 
I really want to support the show. Obviously, I can't become like a full-time sponsor like any of these companies or whatever. Maybe I, they don't want to buy merch or whatever. This is giving people the opportunity. Hey, if you do like the show, if you appreciate what I do, if you want to say thank you, again, you obviously, obviously don't have to. But if you do want to say thank you, you have the opportunity now. You have the platform. You can give $3 a month, $5 a month, or $7 a month. Again, I, I'm not sitting here doing the math right now, but it's got to be like 20 cents a day. Like, it's pretty much nothing. Um, for all the shows and all the content you put out, I mean, $7 a month is not a lot. Anyways, give people the opportunity to give back. If you want to say thanks, again, I truly do appreciate it. Give you that platform to do so. Now, when I had the Patreon in the past, I just had it as, hey, here's this you know, paid monthly subscription. I'm really not going to be posting content here at all because I'm keeping content free across the board, but go ahead and subscribe. I now realize how silly that was because nobody wants to pay something to get nothing in return. So what I've done now, and again, because you probably didn't hear in the intro, you're like, Chris, you always have interviews on Monday and Thursday. Where's the interview today? Well, we have a fantastic interview, actually, with former Gamecocks running back Mike Davis. Not the Mike Davis with the Panthers, the OG Mike Davis, the 05 to 08 Mike Davis. Those interviews are now all going to be behind the Patreon platform, the Patreon paywall, if you will. And, and I hate saying paywall because that makes it sound bad in the sense, oh, my God, I'm paying but you're getting something out. Like, there's a lot of value there. I, like I said, I was not going to bring Patreon back around if I didn't feel like I could provide a ton of value to the consumer. Because you guys know, and again, I've always been open and honest with you, which is kind of why I'm explaining all of this and really just where my head is and my thought process is. You know, everything I've always done in, in regards to creating content has been for the consumer, for the listener. It has been for you guys. That is the entire point of why I do it. It's not for me. It's really, I mean, I, I enjoy doing it. I love doing it. I'm passionate about it. But at the end of the day, it's for the consumer. I have the consumer in mind. You know, one of my favorite things in regards to making content, I love the trial and error process. And I promise I won't be much longer. I know we want to talk about South Carolina, Florida. I want to talk about South Carolina, Florida. But I just wanted to explain this really quickly. You know, I've always been a big fan of the trial and error process. Like, I love to fail. And I think that's what's made me successful throughout this process. Like, I love trying out new content. I love trying out new things. And hey, we might roll, I might roll out this Patreon platform. And it'd be a huge failure, whatever. And if that happens, is what it is. I believe that the market speaks and the market shows you where value is and you have to go out there and find it. And that's just truly how I operate. I believe that I've done different pieces of content that way because you guys have seen pieces of content, you know, arrive and then leave and come back and get away. And like, it's just the trial and error process. And I truly do enjoy that. I enjoy failing because that means you're one failure closer to your success. And again, not to get all cheesy, whatever, but that's just really how I operate. Okay. So the Patreon stuff didn't work before. I'm trying a new method. I'll be totally honest with you guys. Again, I've always been transparent, clear with you guys. I have kept content free across the board all the way to this point. Like I said before, 97% of the content I would say is still going to be free. The Monday through Friday podcast, still free. All the content on the website, all the content on social media, basically all of it. The only big piece of content that's getting put behind the paywall is the guest interviews, which will be twice a week. Again, the benefits range all the way from a shout on the podcast and you know me DMing you a word of thanks or whatever to access to a weekly live stream that's via a private link, like a private Q&A versus the Daily Crow where it's kind of just everybody, um, early access to score predictions, game analysis, you know, my thoughts on, on game stuff like that, excuse me. Um, there are some nice discounts on merchandise, 10%, 20% stuff like that, where you're going to have like a specific promo code, but it goes all the way up to the access to the weekly guest interviews on the podcast, which again, I, I feel like you guys are big fans of obviously getting some of the great the Gamecock legends on the show. I mean, truly Gamecock legends on the show. 
again, to be totally transparent, again, you're asking yourself, Chris, well, why are you really doing this? Like, what is going on? Whatever. Again, number one, I want to provide even more value to the consumer. I want to provide more value in regards to content. Like, what can I do to make there be sort of like a Spurs Up Show VIP type of club? That's the first reason. The second reason, again, I'll be totally honest and transparent with you guys. I've kept my content free and, and I did that on purpose. I, I took the longer route because every other platform out there basically that covers the Gamecocks is a paid subscription business model. And that's totally fine and it's worked for them and whatever. When I started, I said to myself, how can I differentiate myself? How, how can I differentiate myself from the other people? I'm like, in the beginning, I was a nobody. There's nobody following me. There's nobody that's listening to me. Who's going to pay for my content right now? I'm a nobody. Like, I'm not going to ask people to pay when I'm whatever, whatever I was. I was just a guy on Twitter. I was just a guy with a podcast. No big deal. Whatever. So I've kept it free. I took the longer route. There were certainly points where I thought about doing the Patreon. I was suggested by people, friends, you know, people that I, I listened to in regards to business advice that were like, hey, you should start charging for content. You should put it on Patreon. You should do this. I said, no, I want to keep, keep on continuing to make it free. I'm going to take the longer, harder route, but I want to show, I want to show my, my consumers and people that support me that, that I care about them. I have them thought of first, if you will, um, in regards to, you know, just producing masses of content. That, that's how I operate, producing masses of content. So keeping the consumer in mind first, but this is 2020 and getting to the point, this is 2020. Things have changed. Um, things are, obviously the pandemic has affected everyone. I know that for sure, but it's certainly small businesses. And if you guys know, I think you do know at this point, my business relies on other small businesses. Um, you know, partnering with different businesses, stuff like that you know, sponsorship deals. That's what it relies on. That is 95, 98% the revenue generator for the Spurs Up Show. Because again, the Spurs Up Show is a fully functioning business. It is what I do every single day, full time. I mean, that's what I do, okay? That's what I do. And again, I promise I'm going to wrap it up soon because I'm going to get, I want to get to the game. That's what we all want to talk about. But this is what I do full time. It is a full functioning business. And to have a full functioning biz business, you have to have revenue, Okay. And so obviously every small business has suffered a bit. And I'm not complaining. Again, you take the risk with it. I, I love it. I love the grind, whatever. We, we keep it moving. We, we maybe take the punches. We keep it moving, whatever it is. But number one, I want to give supporters and fans and listeners and whoever you are an opportunity to support, to feel like you're part of a community that is supporting the Spurs Up show. The second thing is this, like I said, in the climate and the culture we're in, you know, I see, I'll, I'll be honest with you too. I see a lot of other creators, not even just Gamecock specific, but some are Gamecock specific. And I'm sure you guys know who I'm talking about. I see a lot of cr other creators though on Patreon that have three, four, five, six hundred, you know, subscribers or whatever, people supporting, whatever it is. And I feel like to myself as a business to elevate the business, to help the business, to take the next step in the business, because again, when money flows in the business, I'm able to do more cool things, more cool content stuff. All the equipment I have came from sponsorships, all the, the, the cameras and everything else, like the microphones and the laptop and everything else. It all comes from sponsorships. That's what makes that possible. You know, it's the lifeblood of the business. So to continue to forward the business, I thought rolling out this platform, and I think rolling out this platform is going to be a great thing. Again, give you guys the opportunity to say, I'm part of the Spurs Up show support club or the Patreon or wherever you want to call it. But again, I see a lot of creators who are benefiting from this. And I'm like, I need to be showing more value. 
I'm missing out on a, on a section of people that I think maybe want to be in that tight-knit community. So again, with the 2020, with the ever-changing climate, again, I know I'm being long-winded, but I, I just, whenever you're making a move like this, I want to be sure that the people that support me understand, okay? Um, in the ever-changing climate, you know, I feel like it's a good decision. I feel like it's a right move. And again, it's not something where you're paying for something but getting nothing. There's a lot of value. Again, the weekly guest interviews, um, you know, it, it is something where, again, I, I think it'll be a cool way to provide more value to you guys. So, again, like I said before, I, I love the trial and error process. I, I, I love to fail. I think it's what gets you closer to successes, and we'll see how it goes. But that option is there. Again, if you go to Patreon, look up the Spurs Up show. You have three tiers, walk-on, full scholarship, and All-American ranging from 3 to $7. The $7 per month one, that's the one that's going to get you the um, that's the one that's going to get you the weekly guest interview. So again, we've got Mike Davis today. Um, Thursday, I'm thinking we're probably going to have probably a big time college baseball guest. But again, I've got a ton of interviews booked this week. So we'll kind of arrange those and let you guys know. But again, if you want to check it out, patreon.com, the Spurs Up Show. And if you guys have any other questions, again, I'm an open book. Always have been an open book for you guys. If you guys have any questions, be sure to let me know. I'd be more than happy to talk about it, answer any questions, whatever it may be. Um, I'm interested to see how this goes, and I, and I feel good about it because honestly, I don't think there's any better fans than than, than the supporters, um, than the supporters of the Spurs Up Show. Really, really, I don't. I don't think there's any better fans, and um, you guys have always been very interactive and 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 very supportive throughout this entire process from the very very beginning. Um, so I think this is an exciting thing. I'm looking at this as very exciting and something I think it's going to help the business as a whole take the next step and going to be able to give me the opportunity and the business the opportunity to provide you guys with even more value, with even more content. I'm very excited about it. So again, I'm going to wrap it up on that. Sorry, I was so long-winded, but again, I wanted to explain that. And again, if you guys have any questions, feel free to DM me. Feel free to hit me up. Again, everything's still going to be the same. 98% of the content is still going to be free. But if you want to support, if you want to hear the weekly guest interviews, which I think you guys like those guest interviews. I mean, it's, it's plethora of Gamecock legends. Now you have that opportunity through the Patreon paywall, the Patreon value wall, I should say. We might just start calling it the value wall, whatever. Um, but be sure again, check out the Patreon page, the Spurs Up show on Patreon. Also, okay, getting off that. Watch party this Saturday again at Overtime Bar Grill for the Vandy game. Doors open at 11, live pregame show at 11.30, postgame show. You guys know the drill. Kickoff at noon for Vandy, so that's why so early. Literally copy and paste from last weekend, though. Overtime Bar and Grill, going to have all the details and the specials and stuff probably later today on social media or Tuesday, but want to make you guys aware. Overtime Bar and Grill for the Vanderbilt game. All right. Let's dive into the game again. So I was so long-winded with everything, but I felt like I needed a, an explanation for you guys um, for sure. But let's dive in this Florida game. Gamecocks falling to Florida 38-24, to and it's funny. I have a lot less notes written down than I did last week um, than I did for Tennessee because – and I don't know why. I, I genuinely – you know, I was going to say because, but I don't really know why. I want to start, and I don't know if you guys have noticed this. I was talking to my buddy about this. I don't know if you guys have noticed this when I put up my halftime reaction, my post-game reactions, and maybe even the podcast last week. I asked him, I said, do you notice me being like almost going out of my way to be positive when talking about this team and talking about this program and stuff like that? And I want to preface that and kind of on that note say, I would never let what people say on social media dictate the way I run my business and also what I say about this football team or dictate my opinions on what happens on the field with the coaching. You guys know that. I mean, I'm bold. I'm going to say what I think. I'm going to stick to my guns. That's how I've been since the beginning, and I'm not going to change. 
But it's just funny that people seem to think that I am this super negative guy and all I think about is the negative. So I want to start with the positives because I've been I've been trying to make it very, very clear that, you know, with my videos and stuff, look, I see the positives. It's not all 100% negative. You know, you look at this game against Florida. I said it on the post game. I'll say it again here. Kevin Harris, RB1, fantastic player. I think you found your true number one running back. That was as good a performance I've seen from Kevin. And again, that was probably better performance than I expected to see from him all this season. So Kevin Harris, true RB1. Colin Hill, while there will be a mixed bag, while there will be some criticism, I think Colin Hill did his job. I think Colin Hill gave you exactly what you wanted, to be totally honest with you. I think Colin Hill is doing a good job. I don't think Colin Hill is doing anything, doing anything that, you know, I don't think Ryan Linsky would be doing anything that he's not doing, is what I'm trying to say. Again, I was surprised he threw it 47 times, but 28 for 47, 212 yards, two TDs and no picks. Obviously, should have had three TDs. He should have hit that last one. He said it. We know it. He knows it. The coaches know it. Whatever. But a solid day from Colin Hill. No question. I feel good about – through two weeks, I feel good about the Gamecock starting quarterback. I do. It's a guy who's in command of the offense. He basically gave you the exact performance you saw from Tennessee. Calm, cool, collected, whatever. He knows the offense. He's got a good arm. He's got a big-time arm. Shy Smith. Unreal player. Unbelievable. 12 catches, 85 yards, a touchdown. I can't believe. <laughs> I can't believe that Florida let us force feed him again. Because I said, what did I say all last week? There's no way. There's no way they're just going to let us shove it down their throats to Shia Smith. I was like, there's no way he gets 10 catches this week. Well, he didn't get 10 catches. He got 12. He got 12 catches this week. Fantastic job by Shia. I thought the offensive line played a lot better. Again, you only ran for 117 yards. I think you should have ran the football more for sure. But again, 22 for 100, 4.5 a carry for Kevin Harris. Fantastic job. Even Deshaun Penwick, 6 for 32, 5.3 a carry. I thought the offensive line played much, much better. Defensively, and I'm going to get to my criticism of the defense in just a second, but I like what Zach – your two youngsters that I talked about before the season, Zach Pickens and Jordan Birch, they look phenomenal. They need to be on the field more. There's no question. I would say J.C. continues to lock down his side of the field. You want, to throw, you want to throw him in there as a bright spot? I thought he battled Kyle Pitts. Listen, I mean, Kyle Pitts, you hold him to, let's see, you hold him to four catches for 57 yards and two touchdowns. The guy's a beast. The guy's a beast. He, he's Like we said, he's going to get his yardage. He's going to get his points, whatever. J.C.'s fine. Now, those are the positives. I got him out of the way. <laughs> we got the positives out of the way. And a lot of you have asked me this, Chris, why are you, you know, why, are, and I've seen just people on social media, why are people so upset? You know, we were expected to lose, you know, and I picked South Carolina to lose this game by three touchdowns. I, I picked them to lose by 21. You lose 38 to 24. You lose by 14 points, and you really should have lost by seven. But let me put it this way. It's one thing to pick these games in the middle of the week and make a prediction for how it'll go, and you say, hey, Florida's a much better team. They're more talented. And I still say Florida's a more talented team. They're a better football team, whatever. You say those things all through the week. But then you watch South Carolina on Saturdays. And it's like it's, it's the way they lose football games. It's just the way that they lose games. And also, I mean, it's very easy to make a pick in the middle of the week and say, oh, yeah, we're going to lose 41 to 20 because of this, 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 and this. When you actually see it happen on Saturday, though, it's a little tougher pill to swallow, right? Because deep down, we're all Gamecocks. We're all Gamecock fans. We all have that slight ray of optimism that maybe things will be different than we're predicting. Maybe things will change, and maybe things will turn around. So it's a lot tougher pill to swallow on game day. But more to the point, 
Chris, why are you upset? You picked on to lose by 21. I mean, what are you talking? You had Florida minus 18 is your best bet. It is the way South Carolina lost the football game. Because I said this in postgame immediately after, and I'll say it again. I think South Carolina, when I, I've watched them through two weeks, and I said this before the season, too, that I said that I think this South Carolina football team has enough talent to win five games or more. Watching them through two weeks, I fully 110% still believe that. I feel like it's been confirmed at this point. There are good players on this football team, really good football players. I, I truly believe that. But it is the adults in the room <laughs> that are ruining it for them. You know, and I know everybody wants to talk about the clock management, and I'm going to get in that just a second because that's obviously a huge thing from this game. Will Muschamp now falls to 26 and 27 as the head football coach of the University of South Carolina. All those people I think that were comparing him to Steve Spurrier, they are mute now. And, and I said this on social media, and I'll say it to you guys here on the podcast. I'm not an I told you so guy. I'm really not. I'm not. But damn, is it, it is so funny and ironic and interesting for me to get on social media and to see the same people that have said that I have caught pure hell from for over a year now. Because, you know, I when it happened last year when I said fire must champ, I went almost kind of rogue. You know what I mean? Like I was the first person I feel like to really be vocal about it. When South Carolina lost to UNC, it just showed me a level of incompetence that I could not support, that I did not believe existed in Will Muschamp. And I think we've seen it multiple times since. We saw it on Saturday. We saw it on Saturday. But it's just funny to me that those people that just, I mean, put me through the ringer, which it's all good. I can take it. It's no big deal. It's fine. It comes with the territory. But those same people are now echoing the same things that I said. And it's like, huh. <laughs> huh. I thought I was a bad fan for saying that. I thought you wanted me expelled from the damn fan base for saying that. You know? Again, it's just funny. But this South Carolina football team, I really, truly do feel like, again, I picked them to lose by 21. But when you see it play out on the field and you see how, South Carolina is losing football games. I, I told you guys, let, let, guys, let's let's stick on the field first before we truly dive into just fully must champ. I told you guys before the season, if the South Carolina defense, because everybody wants to talk offense with these Will Muschamp coach teams, and I totally understandable. You had to fix the offense. You had to bring in a new OC. I totally get it. That was the lead storyline of the offseason. But I told you guys, and again, the defense got a free pass last year because the offense was so bad. He was like, oh, Look how much they were on the field, like they were gassed, they were winded, that's why the stats were so bad, blah, 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 blah. Fine, fair, whatever, I'll give it to you. You can have that one. But I told you guys, when you looked at this season, if South Carolina was average at best or pedestrian defensively, if they were a bottom half of the league defense, yet again, I told you guys in the preseason, that would be a bigger indictment on Will Muschamp, in my opinion, than the offense if they sputtered, if they had their issues. Because, listen, again, when you hired Will Muschamp, you knew the offense was not his strong suit. But what you did know, and I think what many of us probably predict is that, hey, if I asked you the day he was hired in year five, what do you think the defense will be like? I would think almost everyone, if not everyone, would have said, our defense is going to be freaking elite. We, we might not score a lick, 
but we are going to be dominant defensively. Zero questions asked. You take a look at the performance we saw on Saturday. And, and again, give credit to Kyle Trask, Kyle Pitts, Kadarius Toney. That offense is fantastic. Dan Mullen's a great offensive coach. No doubt. One of the best offenses in the country. I talked about them all before, all last week, before the game. They deserve credit. They're a fantastic offense. They're going to give a lot of people trouble. But you take a look at South Carolina defensively. Things like the missed tackles. Guys being out of position. Stupid boneheaded plays. Personal foul penalties. And again, it's one thing to say it last week when I'm saying that, hey, I think Kyle Trask is going to have success against his secondary, blah, blah, blah. But then to see it on game day, when, when, when people feel like this secondary should be really, really, really good. That's how people feel, at least. And then to see it on game day and the lack of execution, the, the missed tackles, I mean, the Kadarius-Tony touchdown where he busts through four or five guys, that sums it all up for you right there. That sums it up right there for this defense. Because I'll be honest with you guys, I think in the second half, especially fourth quarter, I think Florida kind of let off the gas pedal a little bit. I, I think they could have scored more. I, I really do. You know, I, I think they once they got up 38-14, to 14, it looked like to me UF kind of put it on cruise control. We're being totally honest. But defensively, year five, the safeties, the safety play, my, and I'll tell you this, I've never seen fans so vocal on social media about specific players. That was very surprising me. I mean, there were some tweets from some people that aren't like, you know, they don't have 10 followers on Twitter. These people are like a couple thousand that were saying things about specific players. And I'm like, man, if I would have said that or said that last year, I would have been put through the ringer for sure. But the safety play in year five of Will Muschamp. That is his position. We talked about in the preseason. It's still atrocious. It's terrible. And everybody not named J.C. Horn and honestly just sometimes Israel McQuamu because that's the biggest thing with Mook. He had a, listen, McQuamu, Saturday is a perfect example. Sometimes he has this fantastic one-handed pick and sometimes he is getting embarrassed like Kyle Pitts did to him. So he's a very mixed bag. Outside of J.C., and I, and I like what John Dixon did Saturday, too. I want to give him some credit. But this defense and this secondary as a whole, it's just pathetic. It's pitiful. It's just pitiful. You know, Kyle Trask, 21 for 29, 268, four touchdowns. You had that one interception by Israel McQuamu. Hey, I will say, credit to the Gamecocks, too. You got two turnovers. You capitalized on both. Kind of what you had to do to stay in the football game. Hell, you won the turnover margin and lost by 14. That's scary. You held Florida 24 carries to eight for 80 yards. Solid job. Solid job. Again, I thought Pickens played well. I thought Birch played well. Enigbare, Sterling, I thought played well. But to see the defense again in different scenarios where you need a stop, you need to get a stop. Come up short. And just, again, that one play, that Kadarius-Tony play, you know, this is a year five Will Muschamp defense? Seriously? This is it? Does it, does it get any better from this? Like, did, will this defense ever – what is the missing piece defensively? Honestly, because, like, 
a lot of when I talk about that, I, I think there are really good players on this team. I think there are at least above average, there are quality caliber players on this team. What's the missing piece? I mean, are the players just not as good as I'm giving credit for defensively, especially? Are they just not as good as I think, especially in the secondary? Are these guys just not that good? Or is there something else to it? Hey, coach, bad tackling's coaching. That's a that's a coaching thing. That's a coaching thing. There are physical mistakes and there are mental mistakes in sports. Physical mistakes, for example, a shortstop goes down to ground about a field of ground ball, takes a bad hop, hits off his shoulder, guys save it first. He didn't do anything wrong. Mechanically, he was in the right spot. He was ready to go. Physical mistake. Whatever. Guy catches the ball on the outside. Get ready to make a form tackle. Go with his legs. He, he breaks the tackle. Makes a great move. Physical mistake. That's not a mental mistake. Guy, made a, guy beat you. Made a better play. Throwing your shoulder into a guy. Letting a guy run through five defenders. That's a mental mistake, dude. Tackling is something they've done hundreds of times. I would at least think so. Thousands. Thousands of times. Guys are throwing shoulders. These are grown men. They're not going to go down... This isn't Madden. You're not hit-sticking guys. They're not going to go down with a shoulder. That's a mental mistake. That goes back to coaching. It goes back to Muschamp. It goes back to T-Rob. Hold T-Rob responsible too. Has anybody's stock dropped lower than T-Rob over the last couple of years? That dude was at one point regarded as a, as a genius defensive mind, going to get a head coaching job soon. Bro, T-Rob, no, not anymore. Offensively, obviously, we got to talk about the drops. I mean, I said it all offseason. The receivers are bad. And I know some people wanted to say, oh, well, there's this, this, that. I'm going to go ahead and say it now. Be very blunt. When on Joyner is your number three receiver, you have issues. You have issues. Hey, I'll go back and say this, too. Everybody gave me hell for it. I wish Jalen Brooks was eligible. But when you're having to rely on a D2 transfer to be in your top three rotation, you got some issues at wide receiver, my guy. That, that just That's putting it frankly. Again, Shai Smith is a legend. Shai Smith has proven himself as a true number one, and I'm honestly surprised how well he's done. I mean, I, I'm not sure that I really expected that. I certainly didn't expect him to have 22 catches in two games. He has proven himself as a true number one and a big-time playmaker. Outside of that, this receiving room is garbage. It's terrible. Total dog shit. I, there's no other way to put it. You know, it was nice to see Rico Powers get a few catches. Of course, we have another must-champism where he says that Josh Van's going to get on the field. He says Dak Joyner will get touches. Neither thing happened. Jacari Caldwell's nowhere to be found. I don't think he's even gotten on the field yet. Nick Muse can't catch a cold, along with the rest of the receivers, though. Nick Muse can't catch a cold, though. And you really have nobody other than Shy. <laughs> you, you really don't. I mean, you really have nobody other than shot. But the drops, the drops just killed you on Saturday. A lot. I mean, think of how good Colin Hill's stat line would have been if you take away even just half the drops. Xavier Leggett dropping. Josh Van. Multiple other guys. I mean, it's just crazy. The drops. Lack of focus. 
not being there. In the, hey, Steve Spurrier used to bitch about his receivers not catching the 50-50 balls. Much less the ball that just hits you right in the hands. It's insane. But let's get to what you all really want to talk about. What you all, what you probably all really tuned in for. And that's the Muschamp conversation. I mean, of course, it's fire Muschamp. You haven't heard me ranting and raving as before. And I said this after Tennessee. because, And I told my buddy this right after the Florida game last week. I find myself, I'm not getting as upset as I did last year. Because I, I truly, you know, I didn't come into the season with the fire Muschamp mentality. I came in the season with high expectations last year. I'm now at the point this season, it, it just feels so par for the course. You know, it's like you can see it coming. It, it doesn't surprise us anymore on a week-to-week basis. Will Muschamp's an incompetent head football coach. Bottom line. And like I said, I, I can sit here and critique the players all day long and critique certain performances, and certainly there are certain performances that are worth critiquing. There's no questions asked. There are guys, South Carolina's got to get better in the secondary. they got to get better catching the football. You know, there, there are things that can be criticized all across the board. But I feel for the players. I, I truly feel bad for the players because through two weeks, I see a team that, and I said this before, on social media, I want to give a major kudos to the guys for battling, continue to fight their guts out. I mean, they could have packed it up at 38-14. to 14. They truly could. But I feel bad for the players because I see a team and a group of guys that is battling and is fighting, is giving it all they got, and the adults in the room are ruining it for them, specifically Will Muschamp, from him being an incompetent head football coach, the incompetence of Will Muschamp. And there were multiple examples of that on Saturday, yet again. Yet again. With a competent football coach, you might be pulling an upset on the road against number three. But the ones that stick out. Into the first half, you get the ball back. About three and a half minutes left. You obviously don't want to give the ball to Florida. What's the worst case scenario? You go three and out, you punt it to Florida, and they come down the field and score. And would you know what happened exactly to a T? Exactly what I just said. No attempt to run the football. You've been running it all over Florida. You don't give it to Kevin Harris. You throw three straight passes. I'm all for throwing the ball. It's all good. Your receivers hadn't caught shit all day. You got Kevin Harris in the back. At worst, at minimum in that situation, you get your damn team to 17-14 at halftime. Instead, huge momentum play. You go into the locker and you're down 24 to 14. Okay, that was bad. It's like, you know what? Whatever. I could have lived with that, just that happening. Then you get late in the third quarter. And listen, I was very passive in regards to Will Muschamp electing to kick the field goal last week instead of go for that fourth and 12 against Tennessee. I, I, I gave him the pass. I really did. I was like, you know what? I can see it. I understand it. I can see both sides, if nothing else. I'll give you the benefit of the doubt there. But this, into the third quarter, there's 30 seconds left in the third quarter. You are down 24 points to Florida. It is 38 to 14. Your defense has gotten embarrassed all day long. Okay? Defense has gotten embarrassed. Drive down the field. It is fourth and two. First things first. On a third and two call, 
You throw a deep play action pass where Rico Powers is covered and it has absolutely no chance. Again, this all while you're running it all over Florida all day long with Kevin Harris, they cannot stop him. They cannot stop Kevin Harris. Don't give it to him on a third and two. Whatever. It is what it is. Fourth and two at Florida is basically what, 30 or a 28? You elect to kick the field goal. And granted, tip my cat to Parker White. He made it. Dude's been automatic this year. Congratulations. Kudos to you, Parker. But you turn a 38 to 14 game to a 38 to 17 game. What does that do for you? And here's the problem with it, man. It's like I said about it last week, and I'll say it again this week. It's just such a must-champ decision. It's such a conservative playing not to lose instead of playing to win the football game decision. It's fourth and two, my guy. You're on the road at number three. You're an 18-point dog. Nobody is picking you to even make it a close game. What do you have to lose? What, what do you have to lose in that situation? Moving on. Even from that, I could have lived with that. Because in the moment, I didn't get, like, crazy upset or anything. In the moment, what I could have lived with it. Whatever. But to finally get to the talking point, that is not just local with South Carolina. It's not just Gamecock fans. It's not just Florida fans talking about it. But nationally, I mean, nationally, South Carolina is getting mocked constantly getting mocked, getting made fun of, getting laughed at in our faces. The clock management at the end of the game. And and I just, (laughs) I forgot almost how bad it was until I saw someone post it again on social media. And I truly couldn't believe it. I truly couldn't believe it. South Carolina got the ball down 14 points. Your guys have battled their asses off. They fought back to make it somewhat of a semblance of a game. You get the ball back with eight minutes to go, and you proceed to go on an 18, I mean, I can't even say it, an 18-play, 74-yard drive, that eats up seven minutes and 23 seconds down 14 points. Down 14. Not up 14. You're down two touchdowns. You're down two touchdowns. I'm still like, I don't even know that I have the words for this. And this was Will Muschamp's quote after the game in regards to about the pace of play on the last drive. And it's kind of long, so bear with me. Quote, it wasn't a deliberate pace. At the end of the day, we're trying to get first downs. They were playing more coverage. They were staying on top. We were unable to get some explosives down the field. We were taking what they were giving us. You still have a minute to play in the game with two timeouts and an onside kick, and you got an opportunity to go win the game if you score. And so we had to go for it on a couple fourth downs. Certainly did want did, certainly did we want more time on the clock? Yeah, but you take what they give you in that situation, and that's what we were able to do will and you know what kills me about will muschamp will muschamp was asked about that in the game situation that last drive and he sat there and looked dead in that camera and bro he i mean he goes to bat for himself like nobody ever seen in his mind like he justifies that as that was the right move 
That was really the right move to him. And, you know, again, I should have listened in the offseason even more closely, and I should have brought it up on the podcast. <coughs> Excuse me. Good friend of mine. And, again, I know somebody that Gamecock fans aren't very high on, and even sometimes I get a little annoyed with his ass. But Mark Ryan talked to him, said he has a buddy that is a staffer on an SEC football team right now. <coughs> Delete that. And he said that SEC staffer told him this about Will Muschamp. Was asked about Muschamp, whatever. And he said, again, this is coming from an SEC staffer, not just Joe Schmo on Twitter. The SEC staffer told him that Will Muschamp, his biggest problem, he misses things in game that are very easy to other coaches. Like they're, they're, It's not like it's some complex thing. He just flat out misses them. What you saw on Saturday, that pace of play, the end of that game, that last drive, that that's the type of stuff that Will Muschamp just flat out misses. You take what the defense is giving you. Dude, you're down 14 points. Go down swinging, bro. No shit they're going to take away the deep ball. We're down 14. They know we need to score a touchdown. No, no shit. Fantastic article that was put up on Sunday afternoon breaking down that drive and how much time South Carolina wait. That's the other thing, too. Okay, even if you're taking what the defense is giving you, fine, whatever. The methodical pace, the huddling, the snapping the ball with two or three seconds on the play clock. Like, you just had nowhere to go. You had nothing to do. And what I was going to say just a second ago is, yeah, no shit they're taking away the deep ball. They know you need a touchdown. That doesn't mean you don't try it, bro. Go down swinging. Throw a pick. I don't care. Throw a pick to end the game. I don't give a damn. But you're playing not to lose instead of playing to win. Eight minutes down two touchdowns. Is it improbable? Hell yeah, it's improbable. Surely it's improbable. But it's not outrageous. Crazier things have happened. Crazier things have happened. And you don't even give the kids a chance. So like I said before, when you're like, oh, Chris, why, why would you be upset about losing? You picked them to lose by three touchdowns. It's the way you lose at the end of the game. Your head coach showing no semblance of competence as a football coach. I, again, and this is what I think Will Muschamp's biggest criticism has been and one of my, if not my biggest criticism of him. X's and O's, bro. Will Muschamp knows as much as anybody in the game. I, I mean, this dude is a football nerd. He knows football, period, point blank. He runs a fantastic program. Kids don't get in trouble. They graduate. It's a clean program. You know what I mean? Like He runs a good program Sunday through Friday. But he gets paid a lot of money to win on Saturdays, and it's just not there. It's just not there. It's just not. And that's the type of shit that he misses. Just flat out misses. Knows X's and O's better than anybody. But on game day, bro, something happens to him. Something happens to Will Muschamp. I don't know what it is. I don't know why he's such a bad game day coach. But he is. And to say that we were playing for the onside kick with less than a minute to go with two timeouts, like it's... Like, it's likely we're going to get an onside kick. Like, it's just that easy. 
Again, I'm not saying anything probably you guys haven't seen, heard, read, whatever. But, of course, it's fire must champ. No question. Again, it has been for me. I've, I've had the same energy since the clock hit zeros in Charlotte, North Carolina last season. And I'm not going to change up. I mean, again, I feel bad for the players because, again, that, that to me, that was just another example showing you the, the level of incompetence that I can't believe exists inside Will Muschamp's brain. I, I truly can't believe it. And I think, honestly, from what I saw on social media over the weekend, I think the fan base is honestly starting to turn. And I think it's a good thing. Because like I told you guys for the season, right, I'm not going to have to be out here parading around and making crazy videos and saying anything about Firewall Muschamp, Firewall Muschamp. The results on the field will do all the talking for me. The results on the field are going to say are going to speak louder than anything I could say. Any content I could put out, any show I could record. They are. And again, you lose by 14 to the number 3 ranked team in the country, but it's the way you are losing games. Mismanagement of the clock, not willing to be aggressive, stupid in-game mistakes that are costing you. Things that frankly guys South Carolina does a lot of things that bad football teams do. That's the only way to put it. They do a lot of things that really bad football teams do. They're not characteristics of good football teams. And again, there are issues on this South Carolina roster. I'm not trying to say this roster is perfect, but hell, I said it on social media. Watching this team through two weeks, I think this is a six-win roster. I think it could be a seven-win roster. I think with the right coach, there's enough talent to win games. Absolutely. With the right coach, I think honestly, I mean, there, there was enough there to beat Florida. You, you could have done it. There was certainly enough there to beat Tennessee. No question. No question. And if you guys want to blame it on Mike Bobo more so, hell, if you want to blame it on Colin Hill, I say Muschamp, Bobo, and Hill are all partly responsible. I put least of the, the, the responsibility on Colin Hill because I know he's, a, he's an older guy. He's a veteran, but, bro, he's a college kid. He's going to listen to the superiors. He's going to listen to his coaches. If, he, if the coaches don't want to go fast, it don't matter what the hell Colin Hill says. They ain't going to go fast. They ain't going to go fast. But, but just that level of incompetence, man, just, just playing not to lose. You know, it, it, and I heard somebody else say this. It does feel like you're almost playing for moral victories. Will Muschamp, you know, the reality is this. You're 5-15 and 15 in your last 20 games. You've lost five in a row for the first time since 1999. And I was talking to my buddy about this even in pregame. Because, you know, I talked to Dan Thompson last week um, from Stadium and Gale, which is a Florida Gators podcast, obviously. I talked to him. Obviously, we talked about Will Muschamp. My question to you all is this, and just a rhetorical question, whatever. Why did we think we were smarter than Florida? Or why do, at this point, do we think we're smarter than Florida? Florida paid Muschamp to get the fuck out. They paid him to get out. They didn't want him. After they went 7-5, and five, remind you, by the way. They paid him to get out. Florida said, this dude is not fit for this job. He's, he's not fit for it. We're getting him out. And I, and I, I believe in giving people second chances. I, I believe in people can learn from their mistakes. All that good stuff. 
But Florida, a program with great tradition, has won at a high level, has a standard of excellence, whatever. They looked at Will Muschamp and said, this guy's a liability. This guy's not ready for an SEC job. This guy's not a good game day coach. This guy is incompetent on many different levels. Why did we think we were like finding some diamond in the rough? Like, oh, that, there's this thing Florida just didn't see about old Will Muschamp. Oh, we, we're going to show them. Why did we ever think that? Why, why do people still think that? Will Muschamp has shown you who he is as a football coach. He has shown you. He is not going to change. And the most frustrating part about all this, and I told you guys before about the bigger indictment on him, I think I'm, I'm honestly through two games, I'm not that upset where we are offensively. Even as bad as the receivers are, even as bad as they are, I look at the offense and go, okay, I could live with this. We need better – I mean, there are questions, there are problems, certainly, no doubt. I'm not trying to make it sound like the offense has been fantastic because it hasn't. But I think through two weeks, we'd say the offense thus far, the body of work, they've gotten a passing grade, honestly. But it's defensively. Defensively, you're getting let down. But I, I've said – again, I've said it before. I've said it time and time again. This is Will Muschamp's ninth season as a head coach. He's shown you who he is. He's not going to change. And that's why, like I told you guys, I truly just don't I, – I, I found myself, at least for the first two games, I'm just not getting, getting as upset as I did last year because I, I just – I'm expecting it. I see it coming now. What new creative way are we going to find to lose this week under Will Muschamp? What, what wrong decision will he make this week? What conservative decision will he make this week? You go on a date with a girl eight times and she's not what you're looking for, to say the least. Why do you think that ninth one's going to be any different? They've shown you their true colors. Will Muschamp is in his ninth season as a head football coach. He's never not been Will Muschamp. He's always been true to himself. And when you listen to him in the post-game presser, and he's truly going to bat for that decision as far as that last drive, that right there, guys, tells you he's never going to change. I mean, he is stuck in his ways. He is sold on how he plays football. He thinks the way he coaches football is right. He, he thinks there's nothing wrong with his game. And that's scary. And that's, that's, you know, that's brutal to think about. Falling to 26 and 27 overall at USC. You've lost five in a row for the first time since 1999. Or excuse me, since uh, 2015. You are you are 0-2 for the first time since 1999. And where do you go from here? That's the question. I mean, I'm a fan. I pull for South Carolina to win every game. But hell, I saw a tweet, somebody talking about, you know, oh, this, this next game at, at Vanderbilt is going to really, you know, lead the direction of the Will Muschamp era, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, honestly, man, I would trade a loss to Vandy for a new head coach. I, I really would. I don't give a damn how you think that sounds, if that sounds bad, whatever. For the long-term health of this program, I'm ready to get Muschamp out. I, I am. It's like I said on social media. I'll say it again here on this podcast, and I'll tell it to anybody that, that, that's listening or will hear it. If you're, support, if you're still riding Will Muschamp's jock at this point, you're either on his payroll, 
you are just blindly loyal to a fault. You can't take your garnet glasses off for anything. Or you're literally just missing brain cells. You're just stupid. I, I don't know what other way to put it. You're just dumb. I mean, bottom line, you know, I mean, that's, and you can hope and pull and root for Will Muschamp and this team's success this season and to hope that maybe somehow the Lord of God comes down and touches Will Muschamp's shoulder and makes him the greatest coach on planet Earth. You can hope that happens and still pull for this team, but also identify that fact and say, as of right now, how can you believe he's the guy? to get this program to where you want it to go. Not even to the height Spurrier had it. Don't even talk about that. To get it back to being respectable. To not being nationally mocked and laughed at. To just getting back to a respectable mark. A, a seven to eight win a year program in a normal schedule. So, you know, again, where do you go from here? You got Vanderbilt this upcoming Saturday, which I'm going to break down, obviously, throughout this week. Um... You know, that's obviously a game you should win. It's obviously a game you should win. But that's why the Tennessee game was so important. It's like I told you guys, because you are really staring at a one in four, potentially one. I mean, one in five, potentially one in six start. Really? You really are. And things could get ugly. I mean, really, things get ugly. I, you know, I said before the season, I don't think Will Muschamp's going anywhere. Because of the pandemic, because of COVID. But, see, it's very easy to say that type of shit in the offseason. Go 2-8, and eight, though. Let, let, get back to me on how you feel. You still want to give them a pass because of COVID? That, you still ain't able to find that buyout money? Bob Castlin's the wild card in all of this. We'll see what he does. But, again, you, I mean, you got you to find a way as, as the, the players, the team itself, to regroup, come together. I, I truly, again, believe you have good players. There were positives that came out from the game. You know, I like Kevin Harris at running back. You know, I, I know that people love to critique Colin Hill, but I think Colin Hill gave you a very Colin Hill, very workmanlike performance. Shai Smith's a freak. There is talent defensively. There is talent defensively. As critical as I am of some of them, especially JC and Izzy and some of those other guys, there is talent defensively. But now the question is, can the adults in the room get the hell out of the way? Can the adults in the room get out of their own way? Get out of their players' way. Just go let just go let your players make plays. Get out of their way. Go let them make plays. That's all you got to do. Just just go let these guys make plays. But if Tom has shown us anything, if Will Muschamp has shown us anything, he will not do that. So again, thirty-eight twenty-four, Carolina Falls of Florida. Let's get to news and notes. Then your listener questions and voicemails, and we'll wrap it up. News and notes. Really, only one thing to touch on: South Carolina opening as a 12-point favorite at Vanderbilt. Um, I was wondering what this spread would come out. I was expecting nine, nine and a half. Gamecocks are a 12-point favorite. They are a 12-point favorite at Vandy. So, uh, again, nobody's – this is certainly a game you should win. I, you know, even on a, on a Sunday afternoon when I'm recording this where I am still beat up from the game yesterday – you just got better players than Vandy. I mean, there's just, there would, I mean, there's just no excuse. You know, if South Carolina loses to Vanderbilt, you will see a post a a post game reaction similar to the one you saw after UNC last year. I will I will go ahead and tell you that right now. So, um, you know, twelve point favorite. That's fair. It'll be interesting to see how that line moves. 
But, uh, you know, I do think that's fair. All right, let's get into your listener questions and voicemails. We're going to start with the voicemails because there are a ton. I had to whittle it down to like eight or ten voicemails. I mean, there was like 30, I think. So I appreciate everybody calling in. Um, go ahead and dive in these voicemails because you guys honestly bring up a lot of good points that I do want to address. So we're going to start here. What's up, Austin from Greenville? I was just wondering what y'all thought about the uh, the end of the game time management by Muschamp and my Bobo. Also, I, I think, you know, we had Shot Smith out there, and I think we could have made that throw, but with the we only had two timeouts, and there's no way we we're going to get the onside kick with only four guys, you know, on one side. I just thought, you know, what? why why did Muschamp do that? But, all right, have a good one. Yeah, Austin, appreciate the call, appreciate the voicemail. Like I said, man, just a level of incompetence that I truly can't comprehend. Um, and and I, what I don't understand about Will Muschamp, man, is he does – I wonder – and I'm sure, again, he doesn't coach this way. He's not going to go in there and coach and say, oh, what will Twitter say about this decision or what will people think about this decision? But does he ever sit back and think, that, like, there's a narrative about me. I'm conservative. I am conservative. Bottom line, point blank, however you want to word it, he's conservative. That's the narrative on Will Muschamp and he makes bad in-game decisions, does he ever wonder, like, you know what, just, just for this time, just, just for the sake of it, let's be aggressive. Let's try to get it. Whatever. He's stuck in his ways, man. I, I don't know what else to tell you. He's stuck in his ways. He is who he is. And just, just accept the fact that Will Muschamp is who he is. Why do Carolina fans not want to – or not? and I don't want to say Carolina fans like everyone, because, again, like I said, I think most – have turned the page on this dude. I, I think most have. But why do some Carolina fans just not want to accept it? He is who he is. Point blank. I know he's a likable dude. I get it. I know he's your head football coach, and you look at him like a father figure or an uncle or a, a brother or whatever you do. But he is who he is, man. He ain't Steve Spurrier. He ain't Lou Holtz. He's more like Brad Scott. Honestly, he's Brad Scott. Just accept it. Just just accept it. Get over it. He's not a good head football coach. We're not smarter than Florida. It's We don't know more than Florida did. Florida paid him to get out of town for a reason. Why do, again, why do we think we're smarter than the University of Florida? I don't understand it. Appreciate the call, Austin. Hey, Chris. It's uh, Weston from Charleston. Uh, obviously not happy with the outcome of the game, but I thought Colin played well up until the the red zone interception he had. Just, or not interception, but drop pass. He just threw behind him. That That's a, that's a pass he's got to make on the run. Uh, defense played better, I felt like. Better than last game, at least. Still not probably where we should be. Florida's, like you said, Florida has some of the best offense in the country right now. Uh, wide receivers, we saw more of uh, Xavier Leggett, but I mean, Shai Smith was still the man of the show. They, they, I mean, we got to catch the ball. We got to get on the jugs machine, something. It's ridiculous the amount of passes we dropped. We, I mean, we, I know we dropped at least one uh, catch for a touchdown, and and Nick Muse has made a second big drop. I mean, we, we got to be able to catch the ball. And most importantly, the biggest takeaway from the game was definitely how bad the clock management was in the fourth quarter. We're, we're down by two scores, and, and we're taking our time. We're, we're making personnel changes. We didn't call a single timeout. We're not playing hurry-up offense. I mean, we could spike the ball maybe on first down. It, anything would have been better than what what Bobo, I guess Muschamp may have been involved as well, but we, 
we got to do better than that. And I'm not blaming that on Colin, obviously, because I'm sure he would have been smart enough to move the ball a little faster if if Bobo told him to. I don't know exactly how that works, but uh, not very happy with the takeaway of the game. But that's just being a Gamecock fan, I guess. Love the show. Thanks, man. Appreciate the call, man. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I said it a lot. I'll say it again. This is the worst group of receivers I've seen in South Carolina in a long time. I'd say it's probably the worst group of receivers in two decades. I mean, honestly, it's it's terrible. I mean, there's no there's no sugarcoating it. There's no sugarcoating it, man. I, I mean, what you saw from the receivers, hell, kudos to Colin Hill for the type of day he had with those those receivers being that bad. Again, 28 for 47, 212, and two TDs. I mean, he had a fantastic day for what he was working with, honestly. Had a fantastic day for what he was working with. Again, a lot of questions revolving around the clock management. I mean, dude, I, I wish I had more answers. It's 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 still to this point for me, man, truly baffling. I, I just I I don't even know what to say. I, I don't know, I can't fathom it. I can't wrap my head around it. And somebody else made a great point as well. Do you realize the team that was up two scores in that scenario on that last drive? Florida took two timeouts. We took zero. And didn't hurry up. Acted with no urgency whatsoever. To think the right play was to go down there, score a touchdown with 40 seconds, Get a kickoff. So start at your 25 with 40 seconds and two timeouts. Like your, or excuse me, the onside kick. So you wouldn't have got the kickoff. You had to get the onside kick. Whatever. Like you would have had enough time to run your offense to get in the end zone. Again, I, I just, I can't fathom it, bro. I, I genuinely can't fathom it. I can't fathom it. I don't get it. Yo, what's up? Long-time listener, first-time caller. I had to call in because what I just witnessed is one of the most baffling things I've ever seen. We're driving the ball. You've got time on the clock. And what, the last 10, 15 yards moving up? They burned three and a half minutes. I don't understand. Second game in a row, we're burning the clock. The good tax-paying people of South Carolina deserve to have someone coaching their team who doesn't just blow it by running out the clock. They weren't going to win. It wasn't going to happen. But 38-31 sounds a lot better than 38-24. That's just my thoughts. I'm going to leave it there. Appreciate the call, man. Yeah, like I said, you're just, you're just not even giving yourself a chance at the end of the game. It, felt, it almost felt like we were playing to cover the spread. Like, I don't know if Will Muschamp had us plus 16 and a half or plus 18 or – Whatever the hell he took, but that's what it felt like. I mean, truly, it felt like we were just playing to not lose. Again, playing to not lose versus playing to win. And it's just a damn shame, honestly. It's a damn it's a damn shame. Hey, Chris, it's Phil Harris up in New Hampshire. What is going on with this football program, man? Coach Boom, like Coach Doom, it's looking rough out there. I mean, you start off in the first half, you've, you're down by 14 with a minute or two to go with two timeouts. You get a fair catch on the three-yard line, and, you know, it's the drive to nowhere. There's at least four or five drops by the wide receivers. Nobody out there is catching the ball except for Shaw Smith. 
has a stud, but I mean, who else is out there that we can rely on? Nobody. Colin Hill, I mean, people were expecting him to run that into the end zone at the end of the game there. Guys on one knee, three ACL surgeries. I mean, I'm not expecting him to run anything, anywhere, ever. Clock mismanagement by Muschamp. I mean, who else are you going to blame but this coaching staff? You're playing like they, they were, it's almost like they forgot that they were down by 14 points at the end of the game with that mismanagement of the clock. Muschamp out. Yeah, no, you, I, I, uh, Phil, I appreciate you calling in because you bring up a great point in the beginning. I totally forgot about the, uh, another week of just special teams blunders. You, you, you take, you know, Shy Smith for whatever reason <laughs> takes a knee on the three yard line. You know, could have been disaster. Just again, this 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 team makes too many stupid mistakes to win football games at this point. I mean, they just do. Um, but when you see the IQ of their head football coach, maybe it makes sense. When you see his in-game decisions and it shows you sort of his football IQ on game day in-game, I think it makes a lot of sense, honestly. Makes a lot of sense. And again, you know, I, I saw people that were saying, well, Chris, it's player execution. The players have got to do this. The players got to do that. Certainly. But, dude, when you're getting, when you're getting paid four-plus million a year to coach the football team, you're the CEO, bro. It falls on you. Everything that happens on that field falls back on you. Everything. Like it or not, good or bad, you get too much credit and too much blame. I totally understand and acknowledge it. Everything that happens, though, it falls on you. It falls on Muschamp. Especially when it's like disciplinary stuff, when it's stupid stuff, just boneheaded plays, all goes back to one guy. Hey, Chris, uh, just wanted to call, talk about the game a little bit. Uh, you know, I just don't see how the entire fan base and I guess whoever was watching the game today, today could see that we ran the ball at will. I mean, it's seven or eight yards a pop. And we still try to force these passes to a bunch of people that can't catch a cold outside of Shy Smith. And I, I stand by what I commented on your live video earlier, man. It's another moral loss for much man. Playing not to get blown out. How about we fucking play to win for one? Anyway, love the show, man. Thanks. Go Cops. Hey, appreciate the call, man. Appreciate you tuning in the live as well. Um, I did definitely see your comment. And, I mean, it certainly feels that way. It feels like you're playing for moral victories. It feels like you're playing just to be able to go into the postgame presser and say, well, you know, we played the number three team in the country tough. We only lost by two touchdowns. And like I said, guy, you know, again, a lot of people say, Chris, you picked him to lose. Why? I, I, I'm not surprised South kind of lost. But, again, when you watch this team on game days, it's just the way they lose. I can, I can stomach getting beat. I it, if you get beat, you get beat. I can stomach it. Fine. You got beat. It is what it is. Their best was better than your best. It is what it is. But again, just the boneheaded plays, the boneheaded decision-making, the incompetency in game. I can't live with that, man. I just can't stomach that. I can't do it. I don't think you guys can either. I can't do it. I can't stomach it. Hey, Chris, had to call in. <laughs> Another another good game caught game. Yeah. Um so 
I talked about it last week at the Tennessee game when I called in about situational football. Yet again, and this one mostly deals with special teams. Yet again, we have a botch on the fair catch and let the ball come to you with your knee down. We end up starting at the three-yard line. Should never happen. That is completely inexcusable. Just a lack of awareness. We, I don't even think we've even fielded a kick or returned the actual kick or a punt. Our punt return, our punt coverage, kick coverage has been pretty shoddy, pretty abysmal. The the tackling on that on Tony's touchdown, I good God, that is that was abysmal. Um, not to mention the lack of urgency at the and when we should have been in two minute drill, we get the ball back with what six, seven minutes left or something like that. We take forever going down the field. There is no reason on this planet we should have let the play clock dip down to 10 seconds or under 10 seconds at any point. There's no reason. There's just no reason. Yes, the game was, I mean, we're going to end up having a kick and all that kick. It's frustrating. You know, Colin rolls out, had Shai Smith wide open. I got to hand it to Shai Smith. I said, you know, in the off season, I know some other people said that they didn't think he was a true number one receiver. He is. Uh, we need some other people to step up and catch the ball, but I have to, I have to hand it to Shai Smith. Also, want to tip my cap to Kevin Harris. Dude is a beast. He he is an SEC running back. And I'll leave with this: Imagine next year when we get Marshawn Lloyd back, you got a one-two punch with him and K. Harris. That's going to be something to watch for the next, hopefully, the next two three years. So. Uh, I wish the result would have been better, but it is what it is. Let's move on to Bandy and try to get it done. Anyway, take care. Tim, appreciate the call, man, and definitely always a pleasure to talk to you. You know, you hit on some great points, and I will say, yeah, it's, it is fun to think about. Kevin Harris and uh, Marshawn Lloyd, two-headed monster. I just hope, I hope and pray they uh, have a new head coach. Hey, Chris. Jordan Perdula here up in Gaffney. Um, just finished the Florida game. Just had a few thoughts. I'm proud of the way that the team fought back in the second half. The team definitely seems to have some fight in them. Um, biggest question and biggest thing that broke my heart was at the going into halftime, three and a half minutes left. I know you talked about it, and I'll probably talk about it some more for just that and then the end of the game. Um, just, I just don't know what to say about it. It, it just seems like we're just being ultra conservative, playing the number three team in the country. Um, and, yeah, I don't know what you do. But, um, yeah, like I said, hopefully we can go get a win against Vanderbilt next week. Um, some positives. I really like Kevin Harris. And, yeah, receivers, a couple of receivers caught the ball. So, uh, still think we got to get a lot better there. But uh, hopefully we get a win in Vanderbilt next week. And look forward to the show Monday. Hey, Jordan, appreciate the voicemail, man. Yeah, you make some good points. I'll, I'll say, uh, you know, we talked ad nauseum about the, the clock management and just the mismanagement of the game as a whole. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, again, just baffling. I mean, that's just another way. Like, I, I feel exhausted talking about it even. It's just baffling. It's truly baffling. I, I don't know what to think about it. I can't wrap my head around it. So, like you said, all we can do is hope you you move on to next week and get a win against Vandy. Hey, um, I'm calling in a first-time caller uh, from Lancaster, South Carolina. 
Um, just got done watching the Florida game. And my question for you is, really the first part of it is a statement. Would any other SEC program comparable to South Carolina put up with a coach who continuously gets worse season after season? The past three years, getting worse every season, six wins and four wins, and this season's not looking too much better. My question is, what is it going to take to get Will Muschamp out of Columbia? He clearly doesn't have the stuff. The recruiting rankings aren't there anymore. The defense, which is what he's known for, is not there. So what's it going to take to get rid of him? All right, go Cox. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Appreciate the call. Um, well, I think after South Carolina, Will Muschamp will not get another SEC job. And what will it take to get him out? Well, right now it'll take thirteen million if you got a spare thirteen. <laughs> it'll take thirteen million for sure. I'm gonna play one more voicemail, and we'll uh, we'll get to your listener questions on Instagram. Hey, Chris, it's Jonathan from Blue. Uh, obviously, another disappointing day today. Um, you know, the team still shows fight, and they have both games already this year, but. You know, I'm not going to play armchair head coach, but I just don't understand how well, someone we're paying millions of dollars can just look so stupid with time management. Like, it's like, you know, I, I'm not going to claim that I know more about coaching than Will Muschamp or Mike Bobo or any of those guys on the staff, but come on. I mean, you, you look like you have no idea how a football game works. You know, you're running the plays in the fourth quarter down 14 taking all your sweet, precious time as if, you know, you're you're going into halftime or something. So that's just a, a frustrating, you know, it's, again, playing not to lose, even though we still do, um, instead of playing to win. But we'll see. Have them go again at Vandy. Thanks again for the show. Hey, appreciate the call. Appreciate the voicemail, man. Yeah, that, that, that says it all at the end, that you're playing not to lose and you still do lose. So it's like, why not play to win the football game? Um. Yeah, again, just echoing the same things as far as time management. I, I get it, guys. I mean, I, I hear the frustration in your voices, and, you know, it, it's just <laughs> – what do you do? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I like I said, I can hardly even – I can hardly even wrap my head around it. It's just so brutal to to think and talk about and, you know, try to understand. I mean, really, it is. It's, it's almost impossible to understand. So, you know, I said this on social media. South Carolina has a high-character football team. Because you mentioned they, they did not bat, they did not give up. They battled. They fought. They scratched. They clawed. And I was proud of that, honestly. Guys fought to the end. Kudos to them. But we have a high-character football team with a low-IQ head football coach. That's what it feels like right now. So, all right, wrapping up. Let's get your listener questions on Instagram. We'll put a bow on this one. Um Alec H. Dean underscore 88. Pretty proud of the team. Just wish the clock management was better. Absolutely. Um, on the goal line, Will Muschamp's hurry-up offense is feared across the land. Um, Reeves.843, when is enough of Will Muschamp going to be enough? I mean, I've obviously had it. I, I don't know for Castlin and Tanner and everybody else, but I, I'm done So I think we all know that. Um, let's see. Let's see. Drew Ambrose, how many games have been lost due to poor clock management under this coach? I mean, I, I, I'm not sure I can think of many others off the top of my head, but just th there have been many other games lost to just incompetencies 
throughout the coaching staff. I mean, 110%. Um, let's see. Luke M underscore 49. You think if we beat Vandy, it'll give us some momentum against Auburn and LSU. I mean, you know, maybe it'll, I mean, it'll certainly inject some confidence. I know in the team, if nothing else, you know, getting your first win of the season, is that going to really help us against Auburn and LSU? I mean, again, I know Auburn like shit against Georgia, but that was the number one defense in the entire country. So is that going to help us against those two teams? I don't think so. So I don't think so at all. Let's see. Drayton underscore Huffman. Any chance Muschamp gets fired if we lose to Vandy? Now, that's the million-dollar question, or maybe the $13 million question. I think if Muschamp loses to Vandy, I'm not saying he'll get fired on the spot, but I think it'll seal his fate. No question. I think his fate will be sealed if you lose to Vanderbilt. Let's see. Um, Tori underscore BH. The coaching staff answers my questions, but provide me with the wrong answers. Hashtag beat Vandy. Uh, let's see. WD and 11 finally on the fire must champ bandwagon. His time management is atrocious. Jeffrey underscore Crosby. I'm off to hibernate. See y'all. See y'all next season. Red cup Gamecocks. Hill is good. Whenever the line gives him time. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. Willie underscore OW. Was it Bobo or must chance fault for the clock mismanagement? Definitely falls on both guys. 110% falls on both guys. Thomas underscore Wade. What is wrong with our linebackers? I, I think the linebackers played okay, um, but, I mean, that's really all they've ever been under Muschamps, just okay. So, either that or they've been a, a problem. So, I mean, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. C.Armstrong.2, I feel like these losses fall in development of the players by the coaches. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think player development has been an issue since Will Muschamps got in the job. No question. I mean, you look at the guys on our roster, and again, like I said, is it coaching or is it players? Are the players just not good enough? Were they not as good as we thought they were when we got them on campus? Or is it a coaching issue? I, I lean to the side that it's a coaching issue for sure. So, um, let's see. Andrew underscore the underscore textbook. Muschamp is an anchor that holds us down. I blame him for four wide receiver play and defensive efficiency. Not totally wrong there. Uh, Thomas underscore Brady underscore H. Horrible clock management. All the big boys go for touchdowns, not first downs. Also, why we stopped running the ball when it was getting first downs? Ain't broke, don't fix it. I agree. I wish we'd have ran the ball more. Um, Kirk Broom, the three and out before the end of the first half, we were only down 17-14 hurt. Yeah, like I said, that was a huge momentum swing. And uh, just why do you not run the football? I don't understand. Again, at worst case, you have to get in the locker room down 17-14. to 14. You can't do that. So, um, <laughs> Scott W. Lawson, come on, man. Champ said they're going to evaluate and improve moving forward. We're good. He also says Hill's a great quarterback, but why not treat try Doty and have a dual threat? What's there to lose? I mean, the fact Luke Doty still hasn't even seen the field in two weeks is baffling to me. I, I truly don't understand it. So, I'm not even saying it quarterback. Put him at wide receiver. You say he's the fastest guy on your team? Put him at wide out. What do you got to lose, like you said? <clears throat> Let's see. CP3 underscore presents underscore. If we go 0 and 10, will Tanner keep Muschamp? Hope we can back get back on track against Vandy. If we go 0 and 10, Muschamp's fired. 110%. They'll find the money. And the last question, Jeff Madison, 23-27. Muschamp throwing up the white flag with eight minutes to go in the, in the game with that last drive. Ridiculous. I agree. <laughs> Again, baffling. Can't even wrap my head around it. Not proud to say Will Muschamp's my head football coach at all. 
So again, like I said, that's going to put a bow on it, guys. Appreciate you all tuning in. Like I said, if you want to check out the Mike Davis interview, go over to our Patreon, the Spurs Up show on Patreon. You're also going to see it all over social media because, like I said, I'm going to continue to promote the clips, promote the show, promote the interviews, stuff like that. So you're going to see it. It's just going to become a daily part of the content. But if you do want to support, you want to access that content, go over to patreon.com, look up the Spurs Up show, or again, just click the link that I'm going to provide on social media you can subscribe there. And again, I appreciate you guys for all the love, support, tuning in, the live streams, the podcast, everything, interacting with the content. It means a lot to me. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. Um, we're going to wrap up here. Before we do, though, I do want to tell you about our friends over at Southern Oaks Remodeling. Southern Oaks Remodeling, locally and family owned, over 15 years of experience. They specialize in roofing, windows, doors, siding, and additions. They're serving the greater Columbia area. Guys, again, when you're having someone come in, they're doing something like remodeling. It's a very personal experience. They're coming in your home. They're doing a specific job for you, whatever. You get to know the people. And I've been lucky enough to know and get to know the people over at Southern Oaks Remodeling. It makes that difference. Again, being local, serving the greater area, all that experience locally and family owned, that makes a difference. You can tell the difference. Again, they do fantastic work, no question. But the overall customer experience, the way they take care of their people, that's what separates Southern Oaks remodeling from the rest of the competition. So again, that's Southern Oaks remodeling locally and family owned. Like I said, they'll do roofing windows, door siding and additions, anything you need. If you're in the greater Columbia area, be sure to give them a call, check them out and tell them that Chris from the Spurs up sent you guys. As always, I'm Chris Wilson, the Spurs up show. Appreciate you guys tuning in and we will talk to you tomorrow.